This EHIV Review Podcast is presented by DKB Med Radio. He also can't be on Cabizostat because rifampin, which is what he needs to take to treat his tuberculosis, lowers the concentrations of darunavir and Cabizostat. And so a combination pill of darunavir, Cabizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine can't be used, nor can a combination pill of elvitegravir, Cabizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine. And I'll just remind folks that that is the regimen he's on at this point. Critical factors when switching ART. Welcome to EHIV Review. Individuals living with HIV, why might they want to switch their currently successful ART regimen? Is it to reduce pill burden for less frequent or more convenient dosing? To experience milder side effects to avoid potential drug-drug interactions? And what do their clinicians need to know to provide the safest and most effective treatment? That's what we're here to talk about today with Dr. Natasha Cheetah from the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. For Dr. Cheetah's disclosures and additional CME information, please go to our website, ehivreview.org, and click on the Volume 6, Issue 10 link. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of EHIV Review. Dr. Cheetah, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Our talk today is focused on individuals living with HIV who are virally suppressed on their current medications. Our first learning objective is about how a patient's comorbidities may influence switching their ART regimen. Uh, so if you would please, Dr. Cheetah, take us to the clinic and start us out with a patient scenario. Ms. T. Lorenzo is a 45-year-old woman with HIV and chronic hepatitis B infection. And she has multiple comorbidities, including diabetes, diabetes-related kidney disease, hyperlipidemia, and pretty bad gastroesophageal reflux disease for which she has to use a proton pump inhibitor intermittently. She was diagnosed with HIV about 10 years ago, and her initial HIV-1 RNA level was 350,000 copies per milliliter, and her initial CD4 count was 300 cells per milliliter cubed, and that was her lowest CD4 count. She's HLA B5701 positive. And so her initial regimen was darunavir boosted with ritonavir and tenofovir disaproxil and emtricitabine as a combination pill. But the problem is she had some difficulty taking her medications when she started, and she developed an M184Bi mutation. She's since then been able to take her medications more regularly, and she does a pretty good job and has been maintained on the same regimen. She's been virally suppressed for eight years, and her current CD4 count is 900 cells per millimeter cubed. So she comes to clinic really wanting to reduce her pill burden to either one or two pills, but she also has read that there are these potential side effects from tenofovir and disaproxil, and she doesn't want to continue on it anymore. There's a lot to unpack here, doctor. A 45-year-old woman, plus she's got a whole host of comorbidities, chronic hepatitis B, type 2 diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and that's only a partial list. She's been on ritonavir-boosted darunavir plus TDF and emtricitabine, and it's kept her virally suppressed for eight years. Does that cover the basics? Yes, that just about covers it. And just to add a little bit more detail about her diabetes and her hepatitis B, for her diabetes, she takes metformin 1.5 grams twice daily, and her hemoglobin A1C is 6.8%, so she's well-controlled. Her hepatitis B viral load has been undetectable since she has been on her ART. Got it. And now she's got two concerns, to reduce the number of pills she takes per day, and even though she hasn't been affected yet, she wants to avoid any potential side effects from taking TDF. 
Now, the obvious solution would be to switch some or all of our medications. Sure. But what's a lot less obvious are the specifics of switching, which meds to discontinue and what to replace them with to ensure she remains virally suppressed. So let's start off by excluding some of the available choices. She wants a single tablet regimen, an STR. Which STRs cannot or should not be used in this patient? So there's a couple points to consider. The first one is that she is HLA B5701 positive, and so she cannot use the combination pill of dolutegravir, abacavir, and lamivudine because of the risk of a fatal hypersensitivity reaction in people with that HLA who take abacavir. So she can't do that. She also has chronic hepatitis B infection and doesn't want to use her tenofovir disoproxil anymore. So this limits her to options of single tablet regimens that contain TAS because we need to make sure her hepatitis B remains properly treated. And if she requires frequent PPI use, single tablet regimens containing ropivirine, such as ropivirine, tenofovir, and emtricitabine as a combo pill, are also not options here because they require stomach acid for absorption. So what we're seeing here is that a patient's comorbidities really are one of the most important factors in determining art selection, particularly when switching. All right, so we need to maintain viral suppression, and we know she wants a single-tablet regimen, which STRs might be considered but would not likely be the best choice for this particular patient. So there are a couple options we could consider here. She could take elvitegravir boosted with cabizostat combined with tenofovir and FTC as the combo pill. But given she has hyperlipidemia and there are other options available, I think I'd like to avoid this because cabizostat can increase her lipid levels. And also, we don't have as much data on this regimen in the setting of an M184B mutation. And L-vitegravir is a less potent integrase inhibitor than other integrase inhibitors in the class. So if she would like to no longer be on a protease inhibitor, she could consider a Bictegravir, Tenofovir, and Emtricitabine combined. But Bictegravir does increase the concentrations of metformin, especially in persons with pre-existing renal disease. And this doesn't preclude the use of Bictegravir if she's willing to reduce her metformin dose. But there are other options, and so it might be easier to just avoid it. Of note, though, even though she has a M184BI mutation, which would reduce the efficacy of amtricitabine, based on the post-hoc analysis of patients with NRTI resistance in the GS4030 study, we know that Bictegravir combined with TAP-FTC is still highly effective. The other thing I'd just point out is that dolutegravir 3TC as a combo pill is not an acceptable option here because of her chronic hepatitis B infection. So lamivudine does treat hepatitis B, but monotherapy with it for the treatment of hepatitis B leads to resistance fairly quickly, and dolutegravir has no efficacy against hepatitis B. So were she to want to take an additional medication for hepatitis B, she could be started on a combo pill of dolutegravir and lamivudine, but this wouldn't be in line with her wish to reduce her pill burden. Are we running out of choices, doctor? Well, she could take raltegravir HD, which is a once-daily version of raltegravir, combined with tenofovir and emtricitabine as a combination pill. But she would still need to be on three pills then because raltegravir HD requires two 600-milligram pills to be taken at the same time. Switching to a single-tablet regimen without TDF. In light of all the comorbidity caveats you've noted, is there any option you would recommend for this patient? If she likes her regimen and she doesn't have any issues with drug-drug interactions with her protease inhibitor, and she also has no significant side effects, she could take co-formulated drunavir boosted with cabizostat and tenofovir and emtricitabine. So this is a single tablet regimen option. 
It would treat both her hepatitis B and her HIV. It combines all the elements of her current regimen into one pill. It does, however, still potentially have implications for her blood lipid levels because of the protease inhibitors. And there could still be implications for drug-drug interactions if she would need to begin any other new medication. Well, thank you, Dr. Cheetah, for bringing us this case. Let's review what we've been talking about in light of our learning objective. Summarize the role of comorbidities when evaluating a switch in ART regimens. What are the key things our listeners should take away from our discussion? So a few key points. First, for patients who require a protease inhibitor-based ART regimen, they can take a combination pill that consists of drunavir, cabizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine. It's a very effective regimen, and it's the only PI-based regimen that is also one pill once a day. Combined bactegravir, tenofovir, and emtricitabine is also an option for virally suppressed patients, provided there are no relative contraindications, such as drug-drug interactions. Valutegravir and lamivudine combined is also an effective treatment option for patients who are virally suppressed, even in patients with baseline high HIV-1 RNA viral loads. It is also an option for treatment initiation, but it is not an option for those who have chronic hepatitis B infection. And then lastly, RAL-HD or raltegravir HD can be used as part of a regimen that is a once-a-day option in persons who can't use other integrase inhibitors due to side effects or uh, drug interactions, or in patients who just prefer to be on raltegravir. Thank you, doctor. And we'll return with Dr. Natasha Cheetah from Johns Hopkins in just a moment. COVID-19, how is the pandemic affecting people living with HIV? Is there increased susceptibility in this population? Does HIV infection increase the chances of more severe disease? Or is it possible that ART adherence may be protective and might even reduce disease severity? What does the evidence say? And how is the pandemic affecting frontline practitioners in their clinics? That's the focus of EHIV Review's special edition, HIV and COVID-19, The Data and the Real World. It's where EHIV Review Program Director, Dr. Matthew Spinelli from the University of California, San Francisco, analyzes the most important current literature and where he speaks directly with frontline clinicians as they navigate a disrupted healthcare system. To access HIV and COVID-19, the data in the real world, click on the COVID-19 special edition link at ehivreview.org. Welcome back to this EHIV Review Podcast. We've been talking with Dr. Natasha Cheetah from the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine about how a patient's comorbidities need to be thoroughly evaluated when switching from their current ART regimen. Let's turn now to our second learning objective, the need to avoid drug-drug interactions when it becomes necessary to switch ART regimens. So take us back to the clinic once again, if you would please, doctor, with another patient scenario. Mr. Reddy is a 32-year-old man who was diagnosed with HIV six months ago. His initial regimen, which is what he's still on now, was L-vitegavir, cobizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine as a combination pill. And his initial HIV-1 RNA level was 250,000 copies per milliliter. His initial CD4 count was 180 cells per milliliters cubed. He's been virally suppressed for four months, and his CD4 count is 250 cells per milliliters cubed at this point. He has no known resistance, he's unemployed, and often has a hard time affording food, and he has difficulty swallowing large pills, and I'll just remind folks that this combination pill is fairly large. He was recently diagnosed with drug-sensitive active pulmonary tuberculosis, 
And as such, it's preferred that he switch to a regimen that doesn't include cabizostat, as this interacts with many of his TB medicines. And he'd like to be on another single tablet regimen. Okay, so virally suppressed on a single tablet regimen, recently diagnosed with tuberculosis. He needs to change to a regimen without cobacistat to avoid interactions with his TB medications. Given this clinical scenario, which STRs would you not consider here? There's a few. One is that rocaparine requires a patient take that medicine with food. And given Mr. Reddy has food insecurity, this isn't a good option for him. Any of the combination rilpivirine regimens wouldn't work. So both rilpivirine combined with tenofovir alphenamide and emtricitabine, and also rilpivirine combined with tenofovir disproxyl and emtricitabine, and also rilpivirine combined with dolutegavir can't be used. He also can't be on cabizostat because rifampin, which is what he needs to take to treat his tuberculosis with a few other medicines, lowers the concentrations of darunavir and cabizostat. And so a combination pill of darunavir, cabizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine can't be used, nor can a combination pill of elvitegavir, cabizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine. And I'll just remind folks that that is the regimen he's on at this point. So lastly, bactegavir is contraindicated with rifampin because the bloodstream exposure of bactegavir is significantly decreased in the setting of rifampin. A combination of rifabutin and a combined pill of bactegavir, chanofavir, and tricitabine hasn't been studied formally, but we do know that the concentration of bactegavir is reduced by rifabutin, and the concentration of tenofovir is likely to be reduced as well. And so I would avoid using bactegavir, tenofovir, and emtricitabine as a single tablet regimen in this setting. So what would be your preferred single tablet regimen in this situation? So he could take dolutegavir combined with lenovidine as a single tablet, especially as he's virally suppressed. He has no known resistance. And although in this scenario, rifabutin would need to be used in place of rifampin because there are interactions between dolutegavir and rifampin, Rifabutin can be used safely with dolutegavir and with lamivudine, so it's a good option for him. Any other single-tablet regimens you might consider? Well, he could take dolutegavir combined with abacavir and lamivudine as a single-tablet option if rifabutin is administered in place of rifampin. But this is a pretty big pill, and we know that Mr. Reddy has problems with large pills, so it's probably not the best option. He also could take our old friend efavirenz combined with tenofovir and emtricitabine, but there are no clear benefits of this regimen over dolutegavir and lamivudine as a combo pill in this particular setting, and there are higher side effects associated with efavirenz compared to dolutegavir and lamivudine. Thank you, Dr. Cheetah, for bringing us this case. Before we wrap things up, I, I want to ask you to take a moment and look to the near future for us. What's happening in HIV treatment or, or what's about to happen in HIV treatment that you find most interesting? Well, I'm really excited that we finally have the first FDA-approved injectable regimen for the treatment of HIV. This just happened within the last few months, and it's for a regimen called cabotegravir combined with relpivirine. So cabotegravir is a new integrase inhibitor, and it's only approved for use combined with relpivirine. And it's going to be a good option for folks who don't have a lot of baseline resistance, but really don't want to take a pill every day and would rather come into clinic monthly for an injection. So I think that's a really exciting paradigm change in what we have available for treating HIV in the United States. Thank you, Dr. Cheetah. Let's wrap things up now by returning to our learning objective. In fact, let's address both learning objectives. 
So for individuals living with HIV who are virally suppressed on their current medications, the role of comorbidities when evaluating a switch in ART regimens, and the caveats about avoiding drug-drug interactions for those who need to switch. What are the most important things our listeners need to remember? So there are a few. The first is that while bictegavir combined with tenofovir and emtricitabine is generally associated with very few side effects in drug interactions, there are certain drugs that have significant interactions that would preclude its use. These would include drugs like metformin and the rifamycin. The other is that dolutegavir and lamivudine as a combination bill shouldn't be used in persons with chronic hepatitis B infection. And also, you can't use this regimen before you have an HIV genotype available. Also, raltegavir HD has the advantage of being once a day as opposed to raltegavir twice a day, but it still requires two pills. And any regimen with raltegavir HD therefore has to be a minimum of three pills. Lastly, the primary reasons to not use darunavir combined with cabizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine are the same reasons not to use protease inhibitors in general, so that is drug interactions and side effects. So in persons where these are not concerned, a combination pill of darunavir, cabizostat, tenofovir, and emtricitabine is a very good option for treating HIV. From the Division of Infectious Diseases at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, Dr. Natasha Cheetah, thank you for joining us in this EHIV Review Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. For EHIV Review, I'm Bob Busker. To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post-test at ehiv.dkpmed.com. EHIV Review is supported by educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Janssen, and Merck & Company Incorporated. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. EHIV Review is copyright, with all rights reserved, by DKB Med, LLC. Thank you for listening.